We've been focused on this series talking about His grace is sufficient. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know which way to turn? When you get that, that punch in the gut, Linda, that you talked about. When you get that news, maybe it's something at the office, maybe it's something at home, maybe it's that, that bad report from the doctor's office, and maybe it's not life-threatening, but maybe it's life-altering. Maybe it's something that changes your plans and the way that you figured and thought life would work out. Maybe it's just not going to be that way. Maybe you get down to the place and all of a sudden, Dave, you get the feeling, even though it's not true, God's just not there. And you begin to question, maybe God's absent or is even God real? And what do you do in those times when you just are at that place because of the suffering and pain you just want to pick up pick up your towel and you just want to pack it in and go home and instead of running to the Lord you want to run away from him what do you do in those times Jessica because you've been there I bet I bet there's been times and instead of running towards the Lord you wanted to run far 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 away and one of the things that we've said throughout our time together is is I want you guys to remember the people that wrote the words of Scripture we're not immune to the problems and difficulties that we face. As a matter of fact, probably some of the difficulties and the struggles that they faced were much more difficult than ours, and yet they did not let go. They held on. They continued to persevere and endure. Can you imagine what it would have been like if they would have let go of their faith? Ed, if they would have let go of their faith and they would have ran the opposite direction, let's just say... We wouldn't have this word, would we? What's at stake if those of us that call ourselves believers, if we turn tail and run? What's at stake? The next generation? The next generation after that? And the generation after that? So who will be the ones that hang in there, Karen, when life is tough? Who will be the ones that will endure in the midst of difficulty who will be the ones that come to realize the truth of his grace is truly sufficient there's a word I want you to write down you might want to write this down I think it'll be up on the screen it's the word believe because if if we are Christians if we're followers of Jesus there's some things that probably that we say that we believe some things that we hold on to and this is what I know um, walking with the Lord for so many years is that those things that we say that we believe at some point are going to be tested. Are you with me? Those things that we say that we believe, those truths that we hold on to at some point in time is going to be tested. Matter of fact, they're probably consistently going to be tested, Hillary. When we find ourselves in the hospital on our back with a diagnosis that continues to be not life-threatening so much as it is life-altering, with a husband that's having to consistently carry the weight and the burden of a family. And what do we do when we're at that place that we just don't want to hold on any longer? Do we continue to hold on and believe, or do we let go of our beliefs and allow those beliefs to, to wane? Well, 
We've chosen this book today that we're going to read from for a specific reason because there's a guy that wrote it that I want to focus on. His name is James. The book that we're going to be in is James. He had a really famous brother by the name of Jesus. Yeah. So Jesus not only had some brothers, but he also had some sisters according to what we see in the scriptures. James wasn't a disciple, and he wasn't necessarily a believer early on, and he didn't show up any time during the ministry of Jesus. But after the crucifixion, James begins to show up, and he becomes a leader in the early church. And James comes to the conclusion that Jesus is Lord, not because of what Jesus taught, not because of the miracles, and not even because of the crucifixion of Christ, but he became a believer because of what took place and what he saw at the resurrection. What he saw take place there at the resurrection. Because it was after the resurrection that James began to surface and come to the forefront. And it was eventually James that he would begin become martyred for his faith. Some of you may know the story. Because of his faith, um, they say that James was taken out on the wall that surrounded Jerusalem. I think they called it the pinnacle. And they said at one of the places that it was the, the highest place that overlooked the Kidron Valley, that probably a hundred foot down, that James was pushed off by some other, by some Jewish leaders because of what he believed, because of his Christian witness. And they say, tradition says, that he wasn't killed by the fall. But he was still alive when he hit the ground. And he prayed for those that had persecuted him. And those that were on the ground finished killing him by stoning him to death. James persecuted difficulty. And it was James, the brother of Jesus, that would write to us the words that we are going to read here today that I find so, so interesting. We have the ability to read what James said, understanding some of the things that he, that he went through. And here's James writing this probably some 16 years or so after he experienced the resurrection of Christ. And um, he wrote this letter to those that had been persecuted and that had been scattered. So, so you see James writing a letter. He writes it to the, to the Jews that had, been, that had been scattered and had been persecuted. So he writes this letter to them. Um, and, and this is what James basically is this is what he's, he's going to say. He's going to say this. He's going to say, listen, guys, I want you to know that your faith is going to be tested, but I also want you to know that what you believe affects how you live. What you say that you believe affects the choices that you, that you make. So I want you to sort of absorb that today as we read some of the words of James. And so, with that being said, let's read from James chapter 1 today. James chapter 1, and this is what he says to start off with. The letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm writing to the 12 tribes, the Jewish believers scattered abroad. So right up front, James tells us who he is, who's writing the letter, and he tells us the purpose. Um, he tells us the purpose as well as some things about himself. What did he say about himself? He was a what? He was a slave. A slave to who? He was a slave to God and also a slave to who? 
the Lord Jesus Christ, his brother. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? I mean, when's the last time you walked up to your brother and you said, I just want you to know I'm your slave? Pretty interesting. Think about that. So he identifies not only himself, but he gives some characteristics about his relationships with the Lord and also with Jesus. And if you want to think about a definition in reference to slave as one devoted to one at the expense of their own self. In other words, I have a relationship with God that he's first, not me. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ that he's first and not me. How would you define your relationship with Christ? Jesus, I'm first, you come second. Greetings. And he says, I'm writing to the 12 tribes, the Jewish believers scattered abroad. So the early Jews that had come to believe, and they were disciples of Christ. So this is what he goes on to say in chapter 2, or in verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider, it's a good word to circle or underline, Consider it an opportunity for great joy, in which we go, you got to be kidding me. What do you mean, consider it a joy? Consider troubles a joy? I don't think so. That's not how I look at troubles. That's not how I look at difficulty. I don't consider them a joy. I don't want to stand up and give a testimony about my life when I'm getting pounded it's not what I want to do. As a matter of fact, I want to turn around and, and run. And James uses that word consider. And that's, that word consider is a Greek word. And that Greek word, um, that Greek word means something very, very special. See, because when the tendency is when, when something bad happens, there's something that we automatically want to naturally do. When something bad happens in our lives, we want to run the opposite direction. When something bad happens in our lives, we want to make excuses for it. When something bad happens in our lives, we want to blame somebody else. But what James says is, look, look, I want you to consider, I want you to think about it from a different perspective. And he said, instead of thinking about it from the perspective that it's the end of the world, he said, I want you to think about it from a different perspective. I want you to think about it as, 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 as a source of something good. Before you jump to conclusions... And before you run to the left, I want you to consider it as something as being a source of, of good. So instead of assuming the worst, how many of you assume the worst when something happens? How many of you jump to conclusions and automatically assume the worst? Be honest. See, our spouses can tell us whether or not when we assume the worst. I mean, there are those of us that are pessimists and those of us that are optimists, right? Those that see the glass half empty and those that see... See, some of y'all are looking at your spouses and smiling, and that's not good. Gets you in an awful lot of trouble. I do not have time this afternoon to be answering phone calls, okay? I mean, think of that. Consider it a joy. Don't, man, listen... Don't always run down to the left, but think about maybe God's got something planned here. And he goes on to say, for you know that when your faith is tested, this is a really big deal. It's not, it's not if your faith is going to be tested, but when your faith is going to be tested. When you go through difficult times, when what you say you believe 
is put on trial because what you say you believe will be put on trial. It's not if it will be put on trial, Lori. There's going to come a time when everything that you profess, everything that you say that you believe, something's going to happen where your faith is going to be tested. See, some of us like to, man, we like to stay in the game room. We like to stay on the practice field, or we like to stay in the game room where we're watching films and we're taking notes. And we, we, you know, we just don't necessarily really want to get on the game field because it gets real when you get on the game field. You know what I'm saying? See, it's put to the test when you get out in the field and you gotta, you got to put, put it on. You know, you gotta, you got to put it out there. And James says, for you know that when your faith is tested, trials are that game day interaction. I mean, how many of us have said before, man, I believe in marriage and the sanctity of marriage, and I believe that marriage is, is, is between a man and a woman, and I believe that marriage is for life. I mean, how many of us have said all these things that we say that we believe, but all of a sudden those things are tested? How many of us have claimed to have a strong faith until... How many of us all, how many of us have all the answers in the game room when we're sitting around talking to the coach and we got the playbook out and man, we've got the answer after answer after answer and until we get out on the field and all of a sudden something goes wrong. It's a change of plays. And James says that the testing of our faith is a test. And this is what we continually say that our faith isn't faith until it's been tested. But at the end of the test, are you still holding on to the faith that you profess? I mean, can you imagine the numbers of people in the Scripture whose faith were tested day in and day out? Can you think about the people around you that you know whose faith has been tested day in and day out? Maybe some of yours have. And James, in talking about struggles... Man, he wasn't talking about the theories or he wasn't talking about feelings, but he's talking from a personal experience because he knew, and he knew what it was like. And he says there, for you know that when your faith is tested, when it's tried, when it's proved, in other words, when it's real, there's something that takes place. And he says, your endurance has a chance to grow. And endurance is a characteristic of a person who is not swayed by even the greatest of trial. Endurance, that continuance. There's a passage of scripture I, I read to, to Linda earlier. We were talking about you know, the doctor and what he had said about her and about peace. And I, I went back to a passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter 26, verse, verse 3. And I just brought I'm thinking about steadfastness. And the verse said that you will keep in him perfect peace. Him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Man, God honors those who persevere. He honors those who persevere, those who endure. He honors them. But there's also something that, ha that happens in the lives of those who persevere, those in the, in, the, in the lives of those who endure. Their faith, there's something that takes place. When the bottom files falls out and you're ready to, to throw everything away, um, and, and you've, you've, 
I mean, maybe you've said, I'm just not going back. I'm not going back there. Um, how many of us are willing to pause just for a moment in the midst of that struggle to say, maybe, maybe, just maybe, in the midst of this, maybe God's doing something. Maybe in the midst of the struggle that I'm facing, maybe God's doing something that I need to pay attention to. Maybe God's trying to, to do a work in my life. Maybe he's trying to help me mature in my Maybe he's trying to work on my strength muscles. We've got lots and lots of people that like to work out and run. And it hurts when you work out, especially when you begin to work those muscles out to start off with. And if you've worked them out to start off with, those first few days can be awful painful and difficult. And that's what it's like when our faith gets stretched. It can hurt. But trials produce an enduring faith. And then James gets down to the main point or the takeaway, and this is what he said. And he didn't say, let it go, let it go. Caleb was sort of teaching me the words to this song earlier. That's not what he said in not let it go, let it go, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, All of you parents can probably sing that, right? But what did he say? Let it what? Let it grow. Let it grow. Talking about our, our faith. Your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. The stretching, the pain, in that moment in time when it can be easy to, to say, I just don't want to go on any longer. I'm ready to quit. He said, don't do it. Don't do it, but let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed. Now, I don't know what is happening in your life, but there's a sense that that tension, that stress, that struggle that pain or whatever it may be, may just happen to be the place that God is at work. You with me? I don't, I don't know what's going on inside of your life. I don't know what stress or pain or struggle that you might be dealing with right now. But what I do know is that one thing that, that might be the thing that you pray about the most, that things that seems to take up the most of your your thoughts and your time and your energy might be that one thing that God is, is working on. It might be that center of God at work in your life. And we can say that believers don't run, but how many of us know people that have professed Jesus, that have walked away from their faith? How many of us know people that their relationship with God was an experience, baptism, something happened, and they're not here anymore. All of us probably know people like that. There was no endurance. There was no continuance. How many of us know people that have at some point claimed to have faith in God, yet at that moment in time there was something that happened, there was a trial that took place in their life, and their faith was tested, and for whatever the reason, they aren't connected today. Have you ever met anybody who was running from God that their testimony was this, I am so glad I ran? I mean, have you ever met anybody that said, you know what, man, I'm so excited that I got away from God because I have so much peace now in my life. That's not what we hear. 
It's just the opposite. We talk about the unsettledness. We hear the stories that are, that are just, just the opposite. And he goes on to say, and he goes on to say, you will be perfect, mature, and complete, needing nothing. In other words, consistent, ongoing faith will not only honor God, but it'll also lead to maturity. See, we have a tendency to think that spiritual maturity is a perfect behavior. But what we're telling and what James is saying, that, that spiritual maturity is an enduring faith. A spiritual maturity. I love to sit down and talk with people that have walked through difficult times because just as Robin and Linda indicated in their life, and I think it was Robin that said something that was so important, I don't want to go back there again, but there was something about my faith at that time that was really special. In Psalms 42, he says, He lifted me out of the pit of the despair, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on the solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. See, how many of us want maturity of faith without the difficulty? We want the blessing without the struggles. Anybody want to raise their hand on that one? I mean, we just want to be able to sit in a classroom and study a few verses. We want a little bit more knowledge. We don't want to have to be stretched. We don't want to have to have to bow up and work out that faith that we say that we believe. Man, we just want to be able to sit in a classroom where everybody, we got a great teacher teaching us and we're just taking down some notes. And then we walk outside the door, all of a sudden into the game, and man, things begin to happen. It gets tight, it gets tense, and things begin to overcome us. And we run back to the classroom and say, Woo! Man, it's tough out there. I can't go back. It's hard. I don't know when the last time you've been in that game before, but that's hard. I can't do that anymore. I can't take the heat. It's tough. James talks about endurance. And then he gets down to the point that's so practical in verse 5. It's a great verse, but it's connected to everything else. He said, if you need wisdom, in other words, if you're having a tough time and facing struggles, and you need some answers, look at what he says. Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Do you believe that God is a great resource? It's the greatest resource that we have. Yet why do we not spend more time going to that resource and trying to draw from that resource? Wisdom defined coming from the scripture and Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And you know who despises wisdom? A fool. A fool despises wisdom. I love one Bible dictionary refers to wisdom this way. The ability to see current circumstances within a broader context. Wisdom, the ability to see from God's perspective the circumstances that we're facing from a broader context. God helps us see from a different perspective. So when you're going through difficulty, go to God, ask Him, because He's willing to give it to you so that He will help you see your circumstances from a broader perspective. Are you with me? God, give me wisdom to see things as you see them. And then going back to verse 2, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it a great, 
an opportunity for great joy. So when those trials and tribulations come, God, I'm going to ask you for wisdom because it's not if they're going to come, but when they're going to come. And I'm going to go to you for wisdom because you're going to give it to me from a generous perspective because you love me and you're going to help me see my circumstances from a different perspective because you see the whole picture. You're going to help me with this. And in verse 6, but when you ask him for wisdom, that is, be sure that your faith is in God alone. In other words, take the money out of your pocket and give it all away. How many of us are standing on something else beside what God has to say? You want to test somebody's faith? Take everything else away except for God. Everything else. Because how many of us make decisions and say, but just in case, God, you don't work out, I got it covered. You think about that. God, just in case you don't work out, I got it covered. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. When you ask God for wisdom, do not waver. Don't waver. Why? For a person who is with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that's blown and tossed by the wind. You know what happens when we take our eyes off of our Heavenly Father who is faithful and we put our eyes on something else? It's not trustworthy. It undermines our faith and it undermines our ability and it adds to the struggle and it adds to that difficulty with endurance. When we take our eyes off of Jesus and we put it on something else, it causes problems. But Jesus alone, I can't, but he can. I can't, but he can. And he says the person that does that is unsettled and divided and will be tossed around like the wave that's blown by the sea. And in verse 7, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, for the loyalty is divided. I mean, how in the world can you go ask the Lord for wisdom and then go, okay, Lord, I appreciate that, but let me get this advice over here too. I hear what you got to say, but let me get their perspective. I hear your eternal perspective, but let me get their perspective that isn't permanent, but it's temporary. And because it seems to fit what I want, I'm going to go with them right, right now. So to summarize it, when the bottom's falling out, when life takes a sudden fall, sudden turn, and things get turned upside down, James would say this, don't assume that God's left the building. Don't assume that. Because God's just not concerned about today, but he's concerned about eternity. And maybe, maybe there's just something in your life that he's wanting to do if you're willing to stay the course and not give up. Your faith, it's going to be tested. Linda, Robin, her testimonies of that. How many of you have had your faith tested? How many of you have had those times where you failed and you've walked the opposite direction? Yeah. Endurance. When you do that, you get back up and you get back on. 
That's what you do. You ask the Lord for forgiveness, you get back up, and you get back on. And so in light of all that stuff, to always remember, I may not be able to see the purpose and the pain, but this is what I know. The promise is always the same, that His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. And that I don't have to, to give up, and I don't have to give in, but I need to hold on and, and believe and the longer you hold on and the longer you believe and the more your faith is exercised and more of those struggles that you walk through in life and those trials that you walk through in life and you depend on God and you continue to go to him for wisdom, the easier it is as the longer, the more that you walk with him, the easier it is is going to be for you to endure in your faith and in your walk with Christ. I love it, what Paul had to say. To the believers at Philippi, he said, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him, Philippians 2.13. Remember that maturity isn't a perfect behavior, but it's an enduring faith. You know, a couple of weeks ago I told you to get up in the morning, and there were two things to pray. What were they? I can't, but he can before your feet ever hit the ground, I can't, but he can. And when you lay your head down at night, God, would you help me to better understand what it means to, to realize the significance of Christ in me? Well, today, I want to give you a prayer that you can write this down, and we're going to put it up on the screen. And this is the prayer that I think would be really helpful to you to write this down. A prayer to pray, God, I'm trusting that you will use this, whatever this may be. You know, you'll have to define this because I don't know what your this is. I'm trusting that you will use this until you remove this. And God, you've read it. He may not remove it. But I'm trusting that you will use this until you remove this. So please give me the wisdom, the understanding. Remember, the ability to be able to see comprehend to understand the things that I can't from God's perspective so that I can see the entire picture. So help, give me the wisdom to see today as you see and the strength to do as you say. So here it is. God, I'm trusting you today to use this until you remove it. And God, listen, will you give me the wisdom today? Will you give me the wisdom to see today as you would have me to see? And give me the strength to do as you say. Because I know this, if you're not in the midst of a difficult time, you will be there at some point in time. And you're going to need something to do battle with. This is one of those prayers. And I want you to remember what James said. What did he say? Consider it a joy. A joy. Look at it from a different perspective and say, God, what is it you're trying to teach me? What is it you're trying to say to me? What is it you want me to see? And instead of just jumping off the boat and saying, man, I'm done with this stuff, and throwing in the towel, God is, are you trying to stretch me a little bit? What is it you're trying to do? Because this is what I know about God's character. It may be tough at the moment, but he always works for our good. always works for our good. I got some testimonies about that. And there's some of other you, some of you here that have testimonies about that as well. 
multitudes of people that are out there that are walking around that have given up on their faith when their faith was tested. I don't want us to be the, that type of people. I want us to be secure. I want us to be bold, and I want us to be courageous. I want us to have the ability to endure, but you know what we need to endure? We need other people around us that are walking beside us in those times of difficulty. We don't need people shooting arrows at us. We need people that are walking beside us, that are walking us and helping us walk during those times. And those two ladies a while ago, you heard them say, we needed that. We needed that. You be very mindful of where you are, who you might need to cry out to, and who you might need to ask. You be very mindful as believers who around you is going through difficulties. You should be praying not only from that perspective of God, I'm trusting that you will use this to remove us. Give me the wisdom today to see. God, give me the wisdom today to see who around me that I might need to be involved in and be an encourager to. Does that make sense? That's really, really important. And next week we finish up with a special, special time that I think really concludes things and helps you gain a better perspective especially for those of us that are believers that are walking through difficulty because I happen to believe there's a big big purpose behind it that many times we totally miss but you don't want to miss next Sunday it'll be a good good time and for those of you that are walking through difficulty mm, I pray that God will just speak to your heart like he never has. So many times in our Christian walk when we go through difficulty, we run and hide because we're afraid what if other people find out? Because we got family problems, kid problems. Mar- Listen, everybody's going to have marriage problems in some time and now. Okay, can I tell you that? I'll just be honest with you. Brooke calls me all the time with problems about Brian, so you don't know that. <laughs> It's terrible. I mean, if you guys only knew what I had to deal with on a weekly basis. <clears throat> she don't put it on Facebook, but it's a difficult... Isn't that right, Brooke? That's right. That's right. You're going to have tiffs. You're going to have tough times. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have problems in the workplace. Guys, you're going to have sickness. There's going to be issues you're going you're to deal with. You're going to have problems with your grown children. You're going to have problems with your parents. Man, life is tough sometimes. Jesus is still the same. He's still the same. You know where the peace comes from? Steadfastness. I can take a breath. Because God, I know that the ground that I stand on is solid ground. I don't have to get all upset. But the ground I stand on And those around me are going to surround me because they know that I need it. Let me pray with you this morning. Father, thank you for helping us. The words of James are very, very appropriate for us. There are people in this room that are struggling, that are dealing with those difficulties. And the word of encouragement for those of us that are believers here today are to stay the course. Know where to turn, stay the course. In the pain, stay the course. In the struggle, stay the course. And when we falter and when we fail, get back up. Get back up. Don't be afraid to ask other people for help. Don't be afraid to say, I need you. 
for the person that doesn't know Christ today that's here. This can be very difficult to understand. I thought Jesus and God, I, I thought that if you loved Jesus, you didn't have any problems. That's nah, far from the truth. But this is what a relationship with Jesus does. It gives us an opportunity to breathe. Because when we come to trust him, we know that whatever it is that we may face, that whatever difficulty may be, that even though the house may be shaken and the winds may come and the storms rise, that the house is going to be okay. So, Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus, I just pray for the opportunity, even today, maybe to, to ask them just to come and see me this morning so I can tell them just a little bit more about what a relationship with Jesus means. Thank you for this day. May we be your witnesses as we walk out this door. May we be a testimony of your faith and grace. And may we come to a better understanding of how your grace is sufficient in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.